Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about exchange traded funds or the acronym is ETFs. Uh, They've become very, very popular investment products, particularly for DIY investors. And over the past five years, the amount invested in ETFs has doubled. Uh, So that's the amount the Australians have invested. And Australians invested $20 billion just last year into ETFs. So that's during uh, 2020. So they're certainly very popular um, uh, style investments. Uh, and they've become a lot more popular just in recent years. Um, and they, they offer some great advantages, but of course not all ETFs make good investments and there are some pitfalls that you must be aware of. So let's first start by explaining what is an ETF, Exchange Traded Fund. Well, simply it's just a managed fund uh, that is owned in a company structure And that company is listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, the ASX. So the only assets that company holds is the underlying investments. So, for example, if you're investing in an ASX 200, so a top 200 style ETF, then that company would own shares in the top 200 Australian listed companies according to their market capitalization or market value. Uh, and therefore, it's very simple to invest in ETF. Uh, you just buy shares in that one listed company uh, rather than obviously buying shares in uh, 200 separate listed companies. Uh, and you can do that using uh, an online share broker like Comsec or there's plenty uh, around. Um, the advantages to having ETFs uh, get around some of the disadvantages of investing with uh, fund managers directly. Uh, So before ETFs, the only way that you could, say, buy an index fund is if you approached Vanguard directly and opened an account. And that would require you to fill out an application form. Uh, There might be new forms for every new investment that you make or divestment that you make. Um, It means that uh, they have uh, both retail and wholesale funds. Uh, wholesale funds have lower fees, but the minimum investment is typically half a million dollars, although you can kind of negotiate that. Um, but essentially to uh, smaller sort of DIY investors, they that was sort of off the table. So you end up having to use retail funds, which charge higher fees, a bit more administration. And they also charge a buy-sell premium, uh, which is a a cost to in, enter or exit a fund. Now, Vanguard, a um, uh, index fund provider, is uh, their, their buy-sell premium is very small, uh, so the fees are small, but obviously for active fund managers, that can be a lot higher. Um, so ETFs provide a really good solution that allow you to invest in wholesale funds, essentially, that um, uh, charge much lower fees for the cost of a trade a share trade, which can be as low as $10. Uh, So a really transparent, easy way uh, to invest in uh, a managed investment. Now, ETFs are different to um, some other products called listed investment companies or LICs. Uh, ETFs tend to um, uh, be low cost and they tend to only employ rules-based, evidence-based strategies. So... uh, they're not actively managed, they tend to be passive. 
uh, and they tend to be very well diversified. However, uh, listed investment companies or LICs are really the actively managed version of ETFs. Um, and there's different uh, companies that, um, very large companies that have uh, fund managers that offer LICs, listed investment companies. Um, but of course, they're actively managed. Uh, they can have more concentration than so, as, a, as a general comment than some ETFs. And of course, the, the fees are higher. Uh, I don't uh, recommend LICs. Uh, I certainly use um, ETFs when investing clients' monies. Uh, so there's a few pitfalls, as I said, that you should be aware of as an investor. Uh, the first one is that they're mainly designed for retail investors. Uh, so some financial advisors, or I guess I should say a growing number of financial advisors, have started to use ETFs, particularly over the last five years. Um, uh, in the US, uh, institutional investors, so that's very large corporates and superannuation-style funds, those sorts of uh, bodies. In the US, they use ETFs, but in Australia, the, the, that hasn't occurred. So um, there's not a lot of institutional use of, of ETFs um, for, for various reasons, which are not necessarily because of reflective of the product, but because of the makeup of the industry or constitution of the industry. Um, so really, ETF providers therefore mainly target DIY investors, um, and there's a few consequences of that. Firstly, they tend to lead with themes, investment themes that are popular, um, such as technology and so forth. That, that's a very popular investment theme at the moment that will attract a lot of money. Um, the more uh, successful uh, ETF is in attracting investments, uh, the, the larger the ETF, the larger the administration fees uh, that an ETF provider can charge and there needs to be you know a certain economies of scale an ETF needs to get to a certain size to become profitable and sustainable um, but as we know what is popular it doesn't always make a good investment in fact uh, there's a lot of empirical data that suggests trend chasing uh, tends to lead to poor poor returns and I've got a link actually in the show notes and the blog on the website uh, to a um, an article that sort of dissects that a little bit more. Uh, the second uh, concern that you know about targeting unsophisticated sort of DIY investors is that the investment methodology and thematic must be really understand, easy to understand, and most importantly, easy to communicate. So some methodologies are a little bit more complex, and whilst they're absolutely fundamentally sound, they're just unlikely to work in an ETF market because your average investor is not going to understand it. Therefore, if, if you're limited to investing in ETFs only, the problem is that as you construct a portfolio, there's things or, or ways, from my perspective, that I'd like to invest in uh, or utilise uh, that I can't because they're not in ETF format and they're never going to be because they just don't lend themselves to sort of a populist, unsophisticated market. So... Um, that we have to realise that you know ETFs are a, a sort of sales tool to some degree, uh, and that has some limitations. Of course, if they're not popular, uh, they won't survive, and we've certainly seen that uh, with some otherwise fundamentally sound products, um, but just aren't uh, aren't popular enough, and they just don't get the economies of scale uh, to be sustainable products. So it's something that you need to consider as an investor. You know, you might take a position. 
or would like to take a position in your investment portfolio um, and you know that position uh, might be a sort of medium-term position, you know, I need to make this investment and hold it for five years to really capture all the returns. But if uh, there's not enough investors that share your same viewpoint and therefore the ETF isn't popular, you might find that the ETF provider winds up the fund after only two years, uh, which is a, a shame because your investment horizon or investment strategy hasn't played out yet. So something to consider uh, to make sure that you're investing in sustainable products that are going to be around uh, so that you can enjoy the returns that you're um, chasing. The next thing to be aware of is just make sure it does what it says on the tin. You know, that if you're investing in a certain product or chasing a certain exposure, that that's exactly the exposure that you're going to get. Um, remember, the ETF provider's goal is to sell the investment. So the name of the investment and the description of the investment uh, is, is, is sometimes uh, um, sprinkled with a lot of marketing speak. Uh, and so there, it's very important that you um, spend a lot of due diligence understanding the underlying investment, who's managing it, uh, what does the team look like, what index are they using, uh, has the index been around for a, for a while, is it proven, all those sorts of things. We spend a lot of money on research um, to, to make sure that uh, what we're recommending to our clients and customers is, is uh, fundamentally sound. So I'll give you an example. There's an ETF and the code is ACDC. Uh, it's a battery technology and lithium uh, ETF. Uh, and uh, under the kind of the thematic that, you know, batteries will um, uh, become more and more popular, particularly obviously in the automotive industry. And so if we have exposure to some of that sector, uh, that could be a, a good thing. Um, but if you have a look at that ACDC ETF, um, and you have a look at who we invest in. Um, in the top 10 is Renault and um, uh, Nissan uh, as companies. Uh, you know, arguably, you've got more exposure to the automotive industry than you do to the battery industry with something like that. Uh, the index hasn't been around for a long time, the index that they're using. So, you know, whether its performance is unproven and, and that adds some to uh, some element of risk. Uh, also, if you have a look at the geographical exposure, 27% is in the Japanese market. Now, whether that's a bad thing uh, or not, uh, it really depends on your overall asset allocation. But, you know, it's heavily weighted to one geographical market. Um, and as you would expect, the, the US stock uh, uh, Tesla, which is a bit of a darling of the market, is obviously appears in the top 10 holdings. Um, and it's trading on a PE of over 1,300 times. You know, a PE, PE over 20 is a bit of a concern often. Uh, when you've got a PE over 1,000, <laughs> that's a problem. So, look, I'm not suggesting that uh, the ACDC ETF is a poor investment, although I do have reservations and I haven't recommended it, I haven't used it in any of our portfolios, my main point is that you must undertake due diligence. You must not just look at the name and get an idea of, you know, uh, the description, the theme of the investment. Oh, that sounds good. I'll put some money in that. Uh, you must really understand, you know, the investment team's experience, the investment approach, the amount of transparency, liquidity, um, the fees that are being charged, performance and risk. You know, they're the, the key elements to really be uh, to, to look at. 
just a few other sort of smaller um, considerations with respect to ETFs. Uh, the first one to ask yourself is it is it trading close to net tangible asset value? Um, so some ETFs can uh, trade at prices either to a premium or discount to NTA. NTA is really what the underlying investments are worth. So if I'm going to invest $100, I want to make sure I'm getting $100 worth of assets. If it's actually trading at a discount, I put my $100 in, well, you know, am I ever going to realize that net tangible asset value? Um, and particularly, I don't want to be paying a premium. Uh, discounts and premiums are typically more common in LICs, so actively managed investments, but again, something to look at. Uh, liquidity, uh, you want to make sure that there's enough liquidity in the market for ETFs. Uh, now, um, that means that if you ever need to sell, that there's going to be a buyer on the other side that you can sell to. Um, there's uh, participants called market makers uh, that actually add and provide liquidity, so just make sure the market maker for that ETF is a, is a reputable institution. Um, and lastly, uh, there are uh, ETFs called synthetic ETFs, which... Uh, mean that actually hold the underlying asset to which you're investing in. Instead, they use derivatives such as swaps to to achieve that sort of exposure. Quite common in sort of mineral or resource ETFs, so gold, for example, they might not hold the physical gold. Um, those sorts of products uh, can be a little bit more opaque, so lack a bit of transparency. I'm not keen on synthetic ETFs. I want the physical uh, asset underlying it. All in all, uh, really proceed with caution. You know, there's some great advantages to exchange-traded funds uh, and they, they provide some really good solutions that went around uh, probably 10 or so years ago. Um, so they're great, but not, all, not every single ETF is going to be a good investment. In fact, I would say that less than 50% are, uh, are good investments. Um, if you're a DIY investor and you, you are using ETFs, my general advice would be stick to the ones that give you broad-based exposure using proven indexes uh, to either one or multiple geographical markets. So, for example, Vanguard offers some really good diversified uh, ETF products that give you exposure to Australian international shares, smaller companies, emerging markets and bonds, all with one trade, all in one pro product, and that asset allocation is managed by Vanguard so they can reweight it uh, depending on risks and opportunities that happen in the market. Uh, and there's a link in the show notes to them. Uh, so stick to something that's really diversified, um, a very sort of plain vanilla kind of approach. Uh, if, you, if you have a lot of money to invest, it might be wiser to use a combination of ETFs and managed investments so that you get a, 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 a full exposure to the universe of different methodologies, rules-based methodologies that are appropriate. Um, and of course, uh, consider investing in some independent advice. Uh, so that's it for sort of ETFs, uh, trade with caution, but still great products. Uh, and until next week, bye for now.